Hello, and welcome back to the Connect You podcast, where we talk about health, life, and feelings to help connect you to a better you. Right on. I'm Ty. And I'm Mark. And this episode, we're actually going to talk about Ty's gap time between our friendship, because last episode pretty much seemed like it was all about me. Yeah, you talked a lot. And my introvertedness and getting through all of that stuff. So yeah, now we're actually going to talk about Ty and the gap time that we had and kind of just what you had been up to, because I know what you've been up to, but that was based off of our five-hour conversation from our first re-meeting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after college and I left and when we kind of lost contact there, what are some things that you got up to at that point? Yeah. So I continued to, um, college for a while longer. Probably should have just quit when you did. Yeah. I actually ended up meeting my wife in, in the same class. She was in the education program as well. So we continued seeing each other. Uh, we both did some college off and on for a few more years then ended up moving up to Edmonton. I had a promotion through work, kind of moved me to the big city for the first time in my life. And then shortly after that, my wife became pregnant. So we were expecting our first child, which was kind of a, a big change. And then I changed jobs once again. And yeah, so I, I was busy. Had a move in there and a very serious relationship. And then, yeah, becoming a, a parent for, for the first and only time. So... I don't know much about, like, I know how you and Jenny met because we all met at the same time, basically. And we yeah. all started talking at the same time. But talk about how, like, your your guys' relationship in the beginning and kind of, I guess, your feelings going into the relationship, your thoughts, what led to you knowing that she's the one and I actually want to be with her. It was actually a bit of a, an awkward initial situation. We had both gotten out of pretty serious long-term relationships We'd both been with our previous partners for like three years. I'd, I'd been living with my previous girlfriend. So yeah, it was, it was pretty serious. And because we'd both gotten out of such long-term things, we, neither one of us was really looking for anything serious, which made it a little bit tricky because when we first started seeing each other, it was like we both knew that we shouldn't be or shouldn't be looking for anything serious. But I like to say that by the time our third date rolled around, I, I knew that I wanted to marry her. She kind of just said a few things and I was like, yeah, I'm all about it. We, uh, we tried and failed to take it slow and moved in together after, you know, having dated for like two or three months. And uh, yeah, we're 12 years later now. So yeah, it, it went fast. I definitely can kind of relate to what you were talking about when you know, last episode where you were talking about having a relationship where you're so reliant on one another that you sort of only want to spend your time with them. And throughout my life, I've, I've definitely been a, uh, a relationship guy. So I've always been in pretty long-term serious relationships. I tend to spend the majority of my time with my partner during those. There's a bit of a learning curve with my wife and I about a balance between, you know, relationships and friendships and, and family and how best to manage your time because you know in the same way that when you're an introvert that doesn't want to go out and see anyone and you're looking for any excuse the same thing can happen in a relationship where you just are looking for any excuse to spend time with that person and only that person and not bother maintaining friendships or or going out to events and and seeing other people so we we both struggled with that over the years and have gotten a lot better at striking a bit of a balance with that yeah and it's for you you're an extrovert yeah. Right. With, would you say like some introverted tendencies? 
Yeah. Um, or because I feel like there's always going to be a bit of both in regards to that. So yeah. at least in the time that I've known you, you're very extroverted. You talk to basically anybody and everybody, but I'm sure there's those times where you just need to slow down and just maybe not as much time as I would need, but there's probably times where it's like 10, 15 minutes and you might be ready to go again. Going back into the relationship piece, I find that no matter who you are, because I've talked to quite a few people about this, about the learning curve in regards to being in a relationship and only being around that person. And you want to spend as much time as you can with them, especially in the beginning. But I feel like that leads, that almost makes it so that you do that continually. And it's hard to break that habit. So the fact that you're an extrovert, different than who I am, but we both ran into the same kind of thing and like thought processes on that. Did you have a conversation about that at any point or did it just kind of show up and then maybe in passing you had a conversation about that kind of thing or did it just you felt it, maybe she felt it and then you just started doing things that led into having group events, that kind of stuff? Yeah, we definitely had to kind of learn to get a little bit better at that. And uh, I don't know that we ever sat down or were like had a mature, intelligent conversation about how we need to see other people as well as each other. There's always those those kind of fights when you've just seen only each other for, you know, a month on end or whatever and kind of blow up at each other that you, you can't be everything to each other. So that happens from time to time. And yeah, I think we just gradually kind of realized that that striking a balance was the most important thing. Finding other people that we could lean on instead of just each other. Filling out our lives with other people that had kind of been important to us for a long time. We, we both have some friends that have been with us for 10 years plus. It's important to keep those people around and maintain those friendships. Okay, so you talked about getting married, and you also mentioned that you have a kid. Yeah, yep. We have a have an eight-year-old daughter currently, so... Talk to me about that, and just more in a sense of your thoughts and your feelings when you and your wife found out that you were going to have a baby. Because I'm sure you were excited, but being parents, I'm not exactly sure how this would work, but I'd, I'm pretty sure for me, I'd be pretty terrified as well. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that there would be a big mix of emotions. So do you want to talk about that? And then also maybe talk about, was there ever a point where, because it had just been you and your wife for how many ever years, mm -hmm. and then was there ever a point when she was pregnant that maybe at the beginning or middle or wherever where you're you almost had that switch to dad mode instead of it just being I have to take care of my wife and myself but I also have to now take care of my wife my kid and me right yeah we were we were quite young when we had our daughter I was I was only 24 when she was born which means that I was only 23 when my wife was pregnant I had a pretty good job at the time. We we owned our own house and everything like that. We we hadn't for long, but we did own our own house. It was it was one of those things that I looked at it really rationally and was like, well, yeah, on on paper like we we have our own home and I have a, a good job and a good income and my wife was also working, she could take maternity leave, everything like that. I was like, yeah, this is no better time to have a kid. You know, maybe this wasn't the most ideal time for us, but uh, yeah, we can do this. Like, why Why not? We'd been together for years at that point and lived together almost the entire time. So we were in a really good place relationship-wise and everything. And so yeah, piece of cake, right? Um, yeah, kids, always easy. Yeah, and then it was, it was definitely, yeah, 
uh, a lot tougher than I expected and just coming to terms with all that. And now we, we didn't struggle where a lot of people do that we had to have these giant lifestyle changes or anything like that. We were people that generally did, you know, a, a lot of staying in and staying at home. And we didn't, by that point, we weren't going out and partying a whole lot or anything. We, we had moved to Edmonton where we didn't really know a whole lot of people except for my family. So most things we did were, you know, pretty tame, like Sunday dinners with some aunts and uncles and cousins. So it just made sense how easy that a baby would kind of slot into that picture. It took me a long time to actually come to terms with with how my life is changing and what sort of extra responsibility that would be. And yeah, it's it's definitely terrifying, the idea of having a person who relies on you and no one else essentially as parents to to take care of them that's it's a lot of responsibility and that that's probably the part i had the most trouble with not being responsible but just that fear of responsibility or knowing that it was unavoidable responsibility it took me a, a long time to come to terms with that i definitely wasn't as ready as i thought i was and looking back now there's a lot of things that i wish i had been better at and more prepared with and you know i i wish i had read more of the baby books and been a lot more involved and all that sort of thing but as far as like going into into dad mode you know, I, I was aware of my responsibilities and everything like that, and I was always going to be there for my child. But I, I wouldn't say that I went, you know, like fully into kind of dad mindset and a like super responsible, involved mindset until my daughter was probably a few months old. It took me a long time to kind of come to terms with where where my life was and what was going on. I look back and find that very surprising because, you know, we, we knew we were having a kid, um, <laughs> but it, it wasn't anything that I didn't want. And I think it's just no matter what, it's always going to be it's always going to be an adjustment. Yeah, it's to, um, ha to have a child. And as you said, you're pretty young. Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, your relationships at a great point and everything, although you're adding somebody else into that relationship now, right? That yeah. Both of you are worrying about to the same degree. And I feel you can read as many books as you want. Although when that day happens and when your kid's growing up, you can only do the best that you and your wife can do based off of maybe how you guys were raised. Yeah. And uh, communication on stuff that happened during the day. And it's, oh, well, instead of getting angry about something or a decision that was made, maybe when you weren't right there, just being like, oh, what? Well, what was your thought process behind that? So, but definitely learning curve on that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Uh, nobody told me that babies would be so slobbery. I was, you know, more or less mentally prepared for diapers and whatnot, but hey, yeah, they drool too. And, and being a dad is definitely something that it's, there's always a learning curve. Uh, you never have it mastered. You're always kind of every day getting, getting hopefully better at it and learning more about it and learning from your mistakes and, learning to be more patient and more forgiving and just more generous with your time and your attention and your energy, which is a big one. Uh, it, it takes a lot of work to be involved. And that's probably the most, you know, important thing that you can do. I always knew that I would love it if I could just get a five-year-old and just, you know, have, have a kid from like five years on. I knew that that would be a, a good age for me to interact with. And, you know, we could 
do stuff together and whatnot. It was harder up until that point, and I kind of knew it was going to be. I, I don't have any younger siblings or anything like that. I didn't have much experience with babies. I'd never changed a diaper until my daughter's, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of learning and just a lot of changing kind of your your mindset and your behavior, and yeah, a, a lot of things about you, but all all for the better, I think. Yeah, and so your kid's amazing, by the way. Super with it, super smart. Yeah, she communicates very, very well. She's great. So maybe talk a bit about that, parenting wise, because it is being a parent's a big part of your life. Yeah, and, yep. and like I feel that you do it very, very well, you and your wife, in the fact that you have schedules, right? Like yep. I've talked to you about this before. Where oh well, from this block of time to this block of time. I'm spending time with my kid. This time to this time, I'm spending time with my wife. This time to this time, I'm going to work or I'm driving my kid to school. Yep. And this time to this time, I'm eating. You block your time very, very well. So is that something that you learned over time to do the blocking type thing just with your busy schedule? And then also, because your wife was at home. Yeah. Yep. And do you feel that had a big impact on who your kid is today? And yeah. then how do you find the time, I guess, to make sure that you're interacting and like doing what you can to be there? Yeah. Because I know it's super difficult to do that kind of stuff. I think about it and I hear you talk about your schedule. It just blows me away because I have to worry about myself, my cats, and so my work schedule, but I don't have another person to worry about in there or let alone two people Yeah, in there. Yeah. So yeah, my wife stayed home for the first six or so years. And that was, that was huge. I think that pretty much every bit of intelligence and eloquence my daughter has came directly from that. It's a huge benefit and anyone that can do it definitely should. It was a sacrifice for us for sure. We went without a lot of money, mostly, to have my wife stay at home for six years. I mean, even at even at a minimum wage, that would be a lot of money. And yeah, so it's definitely a trade-off for sure, but I think a very worthwhile one. It just, you sometimes see a big difference between children that were given, you know, lots of time and attention versus ones that weren't. And you, you don't have to stay at home with your kids to do that, but it takes a lot of a lot of attention and a lot of, like you said, planning and kind of blocking out your time. So when my daughter was, I think about six months old, we started bedtime routine that made our lives so much easier because she had a lot of trouble going to bed initially. She just, you know, wanted to stay up with us or whatever, or just didn't want to go to bed at, at a certain time. So yeah, in that like six to nine months old or whatever, we started an evening routine, brush teeth, get pajamas on, change diapers, whatever, read to my daughter every night before bed, 10, 15 minutes of story time or whatever. We followed that routine pretty much every night for probably five years. You know, I read her countless bedtime stories and she had her favorites and so I would, I would read her a story or two. We'd sit together on the, the rocking chair in her room and, and read stories. Jenny would sing her a song and then it was lights out. And yeah, we followed that routine for a lot of nights. It really just kind of saved us and made everything go so much easier at a time that can be kind of stressful. That was uh, one of those times that I, you know, always had time with my daughter doing those stories before bed. But yeah, now that she's older, we have, you know, we have certain things we do throughout the week where we do events and activities that 
are kind of a constant in her life and in mine where we know we're going to be spending that time together. The one thing I've, I've kind of learned though that, you know, I, I do my best to remember when, when I was that age or when I was a child and what made the most impact on me. It's not the big grand gestures or anything like that. It's generally you make or break your child's experience five minutes at a time. And you know, it's, it's not, hey, can you help me do this big giant thing or whatever? It's like, hey, come here. I want to show you something I'm excited about. Or, hey, come do, you know, a, a bit of coloring with me or, or something like that. And it's one of those things where, like we were talking about last time, it's so easy to say no and it's so easy to have an excuse and it's so easy to not want to get up off the couch or put down the phone or break away from doing the taxes or whatever your grown-up things you're doing to go do something kind of, you know, silly and seemingly pointless. But those are almost all the things that make a big difference and make memories and make connection with, uh, you know, with you and that other human that you raised. So yeah, I try and always, always be mindful, doing those little things when I can, indulging small things. And I mean, you know, you, you have to kind of balance that out with being too indulgent and giving yourself a spoiled child. I, I don't know that you can ever be too indulgent with your time. Really important to do those small things and, and build those memories. Yeah, and the small things, I don't even feel if that's just exclusive for when you're a kid. I think the small things just kind of last forever, and those are super impactful, right? Like last time we talked about the phone call, you calling randomly, that's something that to me is super massive, although it's a phone call. Which yeah. really is, you pick up the phone, you make a phone call, and for you, you had to make a few phone calls. Still, it's still picking up the tiny phone, and that a minute, two minutes, and it was like, hey, I'm going to come to the city, I'm going to come visit, we need to reconnect. But that small amount of time was so impactful, though, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it sets up your life, and it just changes things. And it doesn't take much to do that. And a lot of times when I'm out at like grocery stores, recently I was at one, a kid asked his mom if they can get, oh, can I buy, like, can I buy something? And the mom, instead of being like, oh, what would you like to buy and why? Which I feel like I, I'm at the point where I'd probably ask that question because I ask people that question all the time instead of being like, no. It's like, oh, why would you want to do that? But that parent's answer was instantly no. But they were also on their phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with the shopping cart pushing it. So I'm not sure that they actually heard everything that was being said, but it was moving the cart on the phone. I don't know if they were talking or texting or whatever. It doesn't really matter. But the interaction to me was very disconnected because that kid was like, their face was lit up before that it was, oh, I'm going to ask this. And then it's like, no. And then the face after that was super, super sad. And I don't even know if they, it could still be a no, but maybe ask other questions before that, I feel like. Yeah, right? I it's mean... like, as you said, it's five minutes, or it could even be like five seconds in yeah. that interaction, but that could just make or break things and just change your kid's perspective on things. And instead, if you're curious about what they're looking at and what they're wanting to buy and things like that. Different examples, but I feel like you can change that face of almost like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. To, uh, oh, well, I want to do this and I want to buy this and this is the reason why, right? And it could be like, oh, I want to buy this for you. And right. yeah, you're spending your own money to buy for your kid to buy you a gift, but your kids, it could be a piece of gum and that's still thoughtful because it's yeah. like, Oh, I see you like this gum, so I wanted to, wanted to buy this gum for you. Oh, why, thank you. But you instantly say no. Yeah. 
right? And I mean, and yeah, it's, it's, as you said, it's easy. It's easy to do that and get in the habit of that kind of stuff because you have a kid. They're probably trying to get your attention quite a bit. You also probably were working, possibly working, maybe not, but you are doing something pretty much all day. So your brain is just, it's probably hard to remember to say yes, or like to do that interaction, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I've worked in retail for a long time and retail is full of single serving interactions and like meaningless chit chat and small talk and that sort of thing. And it's... How's the weather? And yeah. All that, or, you know, yeah. how are you doing today? And you don't even hear what they say and whatnot. And I mean, uh, that's unfortunate, but those are strangers. And yeah, I'm sure if you work, they could be, they could be friends or whatnot, but for the mm-hmm. most part, they're strangers or at best customers, but it's all too easy to fall into that same sort of rhetoric with people that matter to you and asking them how their day was or how their sleep was or how school was or whatever and just not even hear what they say and just kind of zone right out or hide behind the phone or and yeah it's it's far too easy so it definitely takes some conscious conscious mindset to give that attention and continually give that attention and consideration i i printed out and keep in my glove box a uh, a list of things to ask your child instead of just how was school because you know the that how was school it's way too easy for you to automatically ask it and then it becomes easy for them to automatically answer it and you don't have a conversation you didn't learn anything you just sort of fulfilled a social contract that makes you know one or both of you feel a little bit better about things or like you did some duty being a parent should be a privilege and it's a lot easier to enjoy when you're involved in it so that was you know one thing that my wife and I both really tried to do when when raising our daughter was always answer her questions and always speak to her you know as much like she was an adult as as we could the the upside of that is we didn't get stuck with her talking baby talk to us which is delightful and you know we have a a very succinct and intelligent child that we can now have like meaningful conversations with even though she's only 8 which is great you you get out what you put in if you if you interact with someone as if they were someone that you want to talk to and as if they were someone that you care about that's the kind of person you get out with which makes it so frustrating that so few people are willing to put in that little bit of effort. But like you said, you know, you have a 50 hour work week and and you come home after, you know, an eight or a 10 hour day or whatnot. And sometimes you just don't feel like you have the attention or the energy or the patience or the the willpower to give in to those kind of like five minute here, five minute there indulgences. Yeah, it it can be really tough, but I think it's a, a very important use of time. Yeah. Well, and if you talk about you get in what you put out, I've talked about this at previous jobs that I've been a leader at when I'd have meetings with team members in regards to when you meet somebody, you need to put in being the person who's trying to build trust and a relationship. You need to put in more value into that conversation. And the person might give you less value to begin with, but over time, value between you and that other person it'll actually equal out. Right, uh, yeah. It's, but it's not instantaneous. I feel like it would be the same with a kid. And having a kid is, if you put in five minutes at a time, and even if it's five minutes of pure connection, conversation, and as you mentioned, speaking to them like they're an adult, instead of thinking, oh, you just wouldn't understand because you're too young and you haven't had these experiences. Right. That's true that they haven't had those experiences, Although you can still talk to them as if they can understand because they have feelings 
everybody has feelings. That's just the yeah. way it goes. So they can still, you can talk about the way it feels and that kind of stuff, I feel like. But yeah, you definitely get what you put in. So with your kid, not just with you and your wife that she interacts very well with, it's with everybody. And maybe not every everybody, but I know me personally, friends and even like people she just meets. Um, like there might be sometimes where you or your wife have to be like, hey, you need to introduce yourself. Yeah, right? yeah. But the good thing about that is you don't just let it slide in a sense of, you know, oh, she's eight, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. like, oh, the kids will be kids, right? You're like, you need to introduce yourself to this person, whoever it is, but you treat it as if you would treat it with an adult where it's, hi, so-and-so, this is so-and-so, right? right? Yeah. And you do that with her, and then she's, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. She's very well-spoken with that kind of stuff, right? But I feel like even in those kind of situations, it's easy to let it slide, thinking, oh, she's eight, and she's not gonna... That's just the way it is. But that's not the way it has to be. And I feel like that kind of stuff will help her throughout her whole life to interact with people and build meaningful connections and relationships with people and have great conversations. So like, I feel like she could do whatever she feels like. I know a lot of people say that about their own kids and they're like, oh, they could be like whatever they want to be. <laughs> but I'm saying this about your kid and the <laughs> fact that my interactions with her and how I see you and your wife interact with her, it is possible that she could do whatever she feels like, be successful at it, just for the fact that the little things that you guys do and even the big things, like the big birthday parties and the setups for it, like you guys go all out for that stuff. Yeah, it's it can be a lot of work to put into it, but the smile that you get from her and like the interactions that you have, the interactions that she has with her friends and her friends come and they're probably just like, wow, this is amazing. Science projects and things like that, like it's full out for the experience because the day should be celebrated for her birthday. Yeah. For you guys like learning over time, which... Everybody's going to do that because everybody's different and everybody's kid is going to be different. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned how it's easy to do those canned responses and it is, but it's easy to do that with anybody. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Like I even talked about it with me where I have my canned responses. And yeah. when you brought that up, it reminded me of an experience that I had with my previous job. I was interacting with a customer and he asked me, what did he ask me? He's like, oh, how's your day going? Oh, it's fantastic. And I, knowing that, sometimes I would do a canned response. I was very aware of the fact that I needed to not do that and I needed to speak what I actually thought. Right, And right. felt that day, right? Like if I didn't feel my day wasn't going good, I was gonna say my day wasn't going good because yeah. that's real. Where before I'd feel horrible, I'd just have a bad interaction for whatever reason. Like maybe somebody yelled at me for something, maybe I didn't do, maybe yeah. somebody else did something, whatever, right? But that would just like, I'd feel bad, then the next person would come up and I'm like, oh yeah, my day's going good. And it's like, no, it's not, I feel yeah. awful. <laughs> but this person who came up then asked me, no, really, how's your day actually going? And I was like, no, it's actually going fantastic. And I was because of blah, 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 blah. And then, but after that, he's like, oh, the reason that I asked you that is because I find people do too many canned responses. So that's why I asked them, how is your day actually going? Because he's like, I fall into the habit and everybody else does, but I want to make sure that I'm speaking to the real you, not to the person that you're putting up in front of me to make me feel good. Right. Because yeah. he's, in this interaction, there's two people here and we should both be adding value into it. That doesn't get thought of enough. No, no, for sure. And I mean, yeah, I see it on 
on a pretty daily basis. Like I said, I've been I've been working retail and helping customers for 16 years. And yeah, it's just, it gets way too easy to just, you know, someone walks out the door and you're like, wow, what did I even say to them? Like, I don't even remember. So yeah. yeah. Even if they introduce you, what is their name again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you've met them for like the third time and you still don't know their name. Yeah. I've had interactions like that. What the heck is that person's name? And to me... I'm just not adding enough value into that. A lot of times people say, what's the saying? That you remember things that are important to you. Right, yeah. Right? And, or things that, where people do meaningful things. But I think it's the more value you put into that conversation yourself, the more you're going to get out of it. Yeah. And that's been holding true ever since I've been really talking about how I feel. Because uh, I had a different interactions retail-wise where somebody came up and was like, oh, how's your day going? And I'm like, not good. They're like, oh, <laughs> And she initially was smiling, happy and everything. And I'm like, I don't want to wreck this person's mood, but I still want to be real to myself. And I want to be real to this person as well that's in front of me. Then we had a great conversation about that. And she left and was like, oh, if anything like that happens again, you just tell him this. And I was like, well, I can't really do that, but I'll think about it in my mind. But yeah. the fact that it turned from something that was, oh, my day's not going that great. And that could be like the other person actually heard me though, added value into that. We had a great interaction and then left and then would like regularly come back and we chat. So that just goes to show being your authentic self and being present is huge. Whether it's with in a retail job or any job that you do, putting in your best work and putting in yourself into it and into your relationships, your kid, anybody's yeah. kid, the more you put into that, the more they're going to get out because kids are sponges. Like yeah, they, for sure. Anything they see or anything like that, they'll pick that up and that can become a habit pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about you as a dad and mm -hmm. if there was ever like you switching into dad mode, let's talk about just you yourself. From the time that when you were in Edmonton and then we reconnected, did anything change in that time where maybe your extrovertedness really helped you out? Or did some of those tendencies that you had of just kind of getting through tough situations that you really had to sit back and think of? Yeah, so the reason I ended up moving from Red Deer to Edmonton was I, I took a promotion with my work. It was a job I'd only been at for about nine months before I got promoted. And I really think that my extroverted nature helped me excel in that career and move myself along very quickly. I got some very good advice from one of my coworkers, actually my boss. He told me, it's not enough to do a good job. You have to let the people who matter know you're doing a good job. And now he was specifically talking about, it's not enough just to show up and, and work your butt off every day, but it's important to have upper management see you doing that. And, and it was a pretty like career specific comment that he'd given me, but I think it applies to a lot of things in life. It doesn't matter if you're working really hard on something, if the people who matter aren't seeing it. And you, you can kind of look at it a little bit more abstract too. It's not worth giving your best unless you're going to be sharing it with people who care about too. So, but yeah, my extroverted nature really helped me excel in that career and move up really quickly. I ended up taking basically my direct supervisor's job. It required a move to a larger center. But that's that's kind of when I ran into problems is I realized that for the past several years, I'd been really good at making friends at work and really good at leaving those friends behind when I switched jobs. 
and you know you end up with a lot of single serving friends which can be a little bit tough and make you feel a little bit ungenuine you know it, it makes you after a while of looking at it and realize you had you know three different groups of friends that you were super close with and spent all your time with in a three-year period and you talk to none of them anymore it can make you feel not the greatest and then what happened is i ended up in edmonton and had Instead of just one place I was working at daily, I had, you know, four or five places I was working at on any given day. Didn't particularly care for many of the people that I worked with. And so, you know, I, I did all right and was, instead of having friends, I ended up with just a lot of acquaintances. You know, I was outside of that, uh, outside of that post-secondary school and didn't have group project to make you meet people and sit down and get to know them. And I ended up kind of back in that same trap of, talking to a lot of people but not really hearing what they were saying and just exchanging a lot of pleasantries and everything like that. Yeah, it can definitely be a little bit tough. I was working way too much, didn't really have any time to pursue much in the way of extracurriculars. You know, I was working 65 hours a week a lot of the time and just didn't feel like I had a whole lot of time or energy to to go do anything and I wasn't you know a really like sports kind of person so I, I wasn't after anything like that yeah it just it ended up a little bit tough and kind of like a an isolated feeling and luckily I had lots of family around to kind of lean on for that so so that really helps and then of course my wife and I are are very close and spend a lot of time together yeah it was it was tough you know for the first time I was kind of a substantial drive away from my parents and from all my friends that I'd kind of known my whole life and grown up with it gets really tough and you don't think that you know an extra hour's commute is going to make a big difference but uh, yeah it really can yeah so did you find that you also because we talked about me and my habits of starting to say no and sometimes that became the drive five hours to me was a long drive and I used to drive from college back home, which was two and a half, three hours, and I would do that perfectly fine. So do you feel that even for yourself, that you started getting into a habit of saying, when your friends would ask you to hang out, that you would say no? You mentioned that you were working a ton, and then it's an hour and a bit drive to go see anybody. So was that just like that thought process where at the end of the day, somebody said, hey, this is going on. And sometimes you would say yes, but then you found that as time went on, you were saying no more. Yeah, you know, I, I ended up trying to shoehorn a lot of things. I was doing a lot of traveling for work. So I tried to cram a lot of things in, like when I was coming through the city or whatever, um, you know, try and fit that in here and there as I could. But I found that that resulted in a lot of exciting nights out and leaving early in the morning and getting off to work and getting no sleep. For an extended period of time isn't isn't great physically on your body but also it wasn't the best mentally either because you're not having any meaningful connection with friends that you've maybe known for a long time you're just sort of seeing them for a quick couple drinks and and a late night and then you're gone before they get up in the morning yeah it, it can be a little bit tough and then yeah with all that work too it's oh they they want you to oh come down for this event and you're like oh i was just just there for work yesterday sorry, I, I just can't make that trip again, like put on, you know, 6,000 kilometers already this month. And I'm just, I have another month like it coming up right away. And yeah, it, it makes it all too easy to to start saying no, which is, which is why I really am glad that I switched careers before my daughter was born. Because I just, I can't see any feasible situation where I was doing both of those at the same time. There's only so much time in a day that yeah. you can block off. <laughs> 
Like you could be a pro at blocking off your calendar. And I feel you are with the amount of time that you spend doing that you work, your other activities that you do, and then anything else that's like extracurricular that you still block in, like you still try to make sure that you're there for everything that you can in order to add value to it. But yeah, you have 24 hours in a day and you still need to sleep (laughs) and eat. Yeah. And I guess in much the same way that an introvert can fall into the trap of saying no to everything, you can definitely fall into the trap of saying yes to everything where, you know, you start planning three events every weekend and you're back to back to back. It's like, that's a real great way to burn yourself out very quickly. You know, even, even just this past weekend, I had one thing going every day of the weekend and by the time that Sunday evening rolled around, I was just bagged. Oh, I should have maybe planned that better, but it's hard to look back and be like, oh, well, I, I didn't want to do this thing or I didn't want to do that thing. In the end, it's like, well, that was all fun and that was all different friend groups and it was all, you know, feels almost necessary and it's tough to look back and figure out what you would cut given the option, which is, you know, why I didn't cut anything in the first place. So yeah, and it's like being in the position that you are, I see you and your wife as people who bring people together. Yeah. And being somebody like that, do you ever feel like maybe you, you say yes, but do you feel that could be a reason why? Like, I know you want to spend time with everybody that you can, but you're still one guy. Yeah. And you still only have a certain amount of time in your, like, weekends. And you you have to spend time with your kid, and you have to spend time with your wife. Yeah, there's a week that you can do that, but you could be missing things. So do you feel that maybe the fact that you kind of are the ones that bring people together for, like, events and start things like that? So do you think that might be a reason why it's pretty easy for you to get in the habit of saying yes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you, yeah, we we tend to bring together lots of different kind of friend groups, whether it's work friends or college friends or childhood friends or all the same for my wife too. Uh, She has all of those. So yeah, you get a a really big friend group and you you know everyone and then you make friends through friends and yeah, your calendar can fill up uh, really quickly and it can get uh, a little bit hectic. And I I guess that's where it's lucky that I'm one of those people that doesn't need a whole lot of time to recharge. But after, you know, a weekend where you have events like Friday, Saturday and Sunday, it it can feel like you need a little more time than usual to to fill the batteries back up. So period after you and I reconnected. Yep. You had mentioned differences that you saw in me and things like that. Yeah. Um, For me, I noticed difference about like differences about you since I've really, really, really gotten back into knowing who I am and being okay with who I am and everything. But do you see any differences since that point to now for yourself where it's maybe semi-drastic changes now that your daughter's eight, so you- Yep. You still have obligations and still have that, but do you have feel that you have more time to do some soul searching, figure out maybe what's next for you? Because career-wise, I know what you do and you do very, very well at it, but I feel like some other stuff after. So have you thought about that kind of stuff or is it just taking it day-to-day type thing? There's definitely, yeah, there's definitely months where it, you do your best just to get by day by day and week by week. You know, whether that's economic stuff or just like family stuff or whatnot, it's sometimes it can be a a little bit of just kind of a a survival mode type thing. I I always kind of have plans for for what's next and what's around the corner. And I think always the, the way to feel the happiest in your current 
position is to have a plan for something more. I know that when I was in high school, I worked in a meatpacking plant and it was an awful job, but I had an endpoint. I knew that I was only there two months. It's amazing what that can get you through. And it's when you end up in a, a career or a job or something that you maybe don't love that there's no end in sight that it can just be really tough and are really kind of just three more hours till lunch and then only four more hours till the end of the day and then one more day until it's the weekend and then I have to do this all over again. That can be a real tough mindset to be in that just sort of day by day and like just until the next thing you have going on and when you're always looking two weeks in the, the future or two months in the future just to find some little like glimmer of hope that you can live for that can be a really tough way to do things. I'm very lucky that I have a family to go home to every night and that means I can kind of leave work at work and and just enjoy that I have that going on for me. I always kind of have plans for for future stuff going on and I like to make plans. If I could, I would just start a new business every year and then not do anything with it because starting a new business is the fun part and and running it is less fun. It's a little more work. <laughs> Okay, that'll wrap us up for this episode. Ty, do you have anything that kind of want to recap on? I don't know. The If you had to take one thing away from this, assuming you're a parent, you know, it's, it's the little things. It's the taking 30 seconds here and five minutes there and just being present and, and giving, you know, the best gift you can, which is kind of like your time and your attention. And yeah. Yeah, and I ending on that is a good thing because I agree with that in the sense that I don't even think it's just for parenting, although that's super important. But we did talk about everybody needs to add value. And the most valuable thing that you have is your time. Because we all have a finite amount of time. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And the fact that if you can give an extra five-minute conversation to a friend or to even just somebody who you're an acquaintance with and really listen to what they're talking about and really being present in that moment is pretty key feel like that's a good part to end the episode on. Thank you for listening to the Connect You podcast, and we'll see you in episode three. Thank you. Thanks.